Daniel chapter 4, we'll read verses 29 through 37. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power, for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. They shall drive thee from men, thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass, his oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men, did eat grass as the oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like birds' claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven. Mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High. I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed is nothing and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say unto him what doest thou at the same time my reason return unto me for the glory of my kingdom mine honor and the brightness return unto me my counselors my lord sought unto me and i was established in my kingdom and excellent majesty was added unto me now i nebuchadnezzar praise and extol in honor the king of heaven all whose works are truth his ways judgment and those that walk in pride he is able to abase i'm going to preach for just a few minutes tonight on the sin of pride you know it's hard to deal with pride because most can't even identify what pride is it's easy to identify in others difficult to identify in ourselves Pride is arrogance, presumption, conceit, vanity, selfishness, self-trust, self-satisfaction. Although it's easily defined in a dictionary, it's more difficult to recognize in our own lives. Too often we're caught up in our own talents and accomplishments and positions and awards and recognition and we start believing the accolades we lose sight of the fact that who we are and what we are all came from God. There's Nebuchadnezzar one day. He had a lot to be proud of. He was at that time the ruler of the known world. As we studied the book of Jeremiah, we realized that it was King Nebuchadnezzar that conquered uh, Judah, took them into captivity. But one day he became full of himself. God warned him through Daniel several times on several different occasions but he refused to heed the warning and lifted up in pride uh, God said Nebuchadnezzar you better understand everything that you have is a gift from me and God abased him he sent him out can you imagine a man growing claws and feathers and eating grass living out in the field now if you have trouble identifying what pride is I wrote down 35 things and I just narrowed it down tonight to seven. How about if we mention a quick test of seven things? I don't get enough appreciation for all that I do. I definitely deserve more than I have. 
My conversations are filled with I and me. I find it difficult to admit that I'm wrong. I'm stubborn. I don't like to be corrected or changed. My feelings are easily hurt. I guess you could call me sensitive. We are full of pride. Not just Nebuchadnezzar that was lifted up, but all of us at some point without a throne, without wealth, without position, without power, we find ourselves puffed up. Go with me to Proverbs for a minute. Let's look at a few texts concerning the subject of pride. Do a very quick Bible study. There's nothing more despicable to God than the sin of pride. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way in the forward mouth. Here's what God says. Those things do I hate. Pride tops the list. Chapter 6, verse 17. Start at verse 16. These things, these six things that the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, once again, it's pride that starts the list. Chapter 16, verse 5. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Those are categories we don't want to find ourselves in. Look what the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 6. This is one of those battles that we fight daily. Pride is a part of our nature. It's a part of our fabric. It's a product of our sinful heart. Something that we have to deal with every day and say, God, uh, help me to be a humble Christian. God hates pride. It's despicable to God, but it's also despicable to man. No one wants to walk or be a friend of a proud person. James 4, 6. He giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. How many of you want grace? How many of you want God's grace? That's found with a heart of humility. There's enough problems in life to deal with without being resisted by God's hand. Feeling him pushing against you is not a way you want to live. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah 14, for sake of time tonight, we're going to just quickly read these scriptures. Let me say number two, there's nothing more satanic, not just despicable to God, but this is the most satanic sin, the sin that got Satan thrown out of heaven. There was no angel, there was no created being closer to God. But he was thrown out of heaven, expelled because of pride. Isaiah 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. And how full of ourselves we are, 
how satanic in nature, how ugly, how pitiful, how hurtful it is when we, in life, make everything about ourselves. Lift it up. So selfish, so concerned about what others think, how others treat us, what I've suffered and what I've dealt with. I am the one that should be treated like royalty. As soon as Satan became full of himself, God said, I have to empty heaven of your presence. Number three, look with me in Proverbs 13.10. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. There's nothing more divisive in nature than the sin of pride. As a church, we want unity. You ought to seek unity in your home, in your marriage, in your church. You know, to destroy that unity, pride. Proverbs 13, 10. Only, circle that word, only. What is the source of contention? What is the root sin when there's disunity, strife, division? Only by pride cometh contention. Pastor, we have issues in our marriage. No, you have pride. Pastor, you have to understand what is taking place and what this person has done. And actually, I have to only understand the Bible principle. The root problem is pride. If you deal with pride, the problem is solved. Proverbs 28, verse 25. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. Can you imagine the beauty of a home, the beauty in a ministry, when humility reigns? Strife is emptied. It disappears. You have two kids that fight, mate, two mates that fight. It's always the same problem. Pride has reared its ugly head. No one wants to admit they're wrong. Everyone wants to prove that they're right. God cannot be honored or glorified in that environment. Turn with me to Proverbs 16, 18. Until we realize there is nothing, no sin, more destructive than pride, we will be a tool of Satan. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction. If you want to ruin your home, if you want to ruin your marriage, if you want to ruin your children, if you want to ruin your walk with God, if you want to ruin relationships and friendships, just be proud Hang on to your pride. Chapter 29, verse 23. It cost Nebuchadnezzar his kingdom. It cost him his human hands as they turned to claws. It cost him his posture as he crawled through a field. It cost him his kingly meals and his royal table as he ate grass. And it'll cost you. Proverbs 29 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, so low that he finds his mouth on the grass of the field. Look what it says in Ezekiel 16. Ezekiel 16, verse 
48, it's amazing, the pride of youth. Proud of their knowledge. You cannot imagine the struggles I have during the week dealing with 18 and 20 and 25-year-olds telling me about life. I've seen nothing, done nothing, know nothing, but convinced. I shake my head. I'm speechless. Say, Pastor, what do you say? Why speak? You cannot help a young person full of pride. Listen, young people, you're, you're better off humbling yourself before God humiliates you because that's the end of pride. Life has a way of doing that. How many of you remember the pride of your youth? The moment when you knew everything? You knew how to parent, although you'd never had children? You knew how to have a good marriage, although you had never even dated? You knew how to pastor a church and run a ministry, although you'd never even been an assistant in a club classroom? Before I pastored, boy, I knew how to. Before I got married, I could tell you how to be the perfect spouse. Before I ever had a child, I could have told you about all the wrongs that most parents in this church were committing. Now that I'm a pastor, a parent, and a husband, I'm clueless. So if you want those answers and you need that counsel, I would find a college student or a high schooler. <laughs> they will guide you down the right path and instruct you in your faults and failures. If you ever want to know how to raise a three-year-old, find a person that doesn't have one. But those that have young children will tell you, don't come to me. I don't know. I do not know how to raise his child. That's called pride. How it saturated our lives. Ezekiel 16, 48. What was the sin of Sodom? As I live, saith the Lord God, Sodom thy sister hath not done, she nor her daughters, as thou hast done, thou and thy daughters. Behold, this was iniquity thy sister Sodom pride why is it that we refer to homosexuals as sodomites but we look at the proud as heroes we honor sports stars when a young person does a victory dance after catching a touchdown pass can't we classify that as being a sodomite the sin of Sodom was pride. Verse 50, what was the rebuke? They were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. What is the sin that will make you unreachable, unteachable, uncorrectable? Look what it says in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 13. Nebuchadnezzar was a proud man with a closed mind and when he was corrected and addressed, confronted by Daniel, 
God gave him an additional year to humble himself and repent, but he refused. How many young people? Seventh, eighth, ninth grade are so full of themselves they can no longer be corrected. But here's the problem. You should receive correction until the moment you die. There's anything I want to teach my kids is you be teachable, you be correctable. I have a son that's 18 and normally at that point in life, young people don't want instruction, rebuke, or correction. I want to set an example where he sees his father is teachable and correctable so he will follow in those footsteps so I can look at him, I don't care if he's 19 or 25, and still instruct him. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 13. Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. Let me reread that. Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and a foolish king. That's Nebuchadnezzar. God sent Daniel, said talk to him, instruct him. What kept him from receiving the instruction? Pride. If we reach a point of pride where we choose the one or two people on the planet that can actually instruct us, we've reached the point of being a Nebuchadnezzar. God says it's better to be a poor and wise child than an old and foolish king set in his ways saying, you're not qualified to talk to me. You're not educated enough to instruct me. You're not smart enough or wise enough to correct me. You're not old enough to rebuke me. I have reached the pinnacle of wisdom and at this point, no longer need instruction, correction, rebuke, or help. Can we, while on this planet, ever reach the point where we don't need instruction, correction, or rebuke? We'll never reach that point. One day, Nebuchadnezzar found himself out in a field, eating grass, growing cloths, spreading his wings but taking no flight humbled no humiliated as people would come and say that creature has the face of our king Nebuchadnezzar isn't it strange that we haven't seen him make any speeches isn't it strange that he's made no appearances isn't it strange that we haven't seen any pictures in the newspaper recently Rumors begin to spread. I think that's the king that's out there eating grass. God will find a way to humble the proud. You're better off humbling yourself and saying, God, lead me, guide me, instruct me, show me, teach me. I'm nothing. I need your help. 
And when you get to the point when you're past instruction, I don't care if it's as a maid or a father, as a leader. I don't care if it's in your ministry, out of ministry, in your home or outside of your home. When you get past the point of instruction, you're hopeless because you're helpless. That's a bad place to be.